It's September 15th. This is Amita Switlow, our Outreach Public Engagement Officer for Western Canada, Western United States. And I am really lucky on this lovely, lovely end of summer day to be sitting with Nancy Garrett. And Nancy, you served with us in India. Yes. What year was that? 1967 to 1970. So you did three years. Yes, because I was a, a volunteer for two years, and then I worked as the um, health uh, coordinator in charge of the health uh, volunteers, uh, as well as, of course, evaluating requests from agencies, governmental and non-governmental. So then did you become a staff person yes, for that last that's year? that's right. That's right. One year staff. And, and when you went to, when you left, where did you leave from? What city from in Canada? Um, well, actually, I I left from New York. You did? Um, oh, this uh, is interesting. <laughs> okay. I had tried to um, join uh, Peace Corps, but they wouldn't have me because I had uh, rheumatic fever and they didn't want anybody with any heart uh, problems. And, of course, there was nothing wrong with me, but they, they had that kind of a... Uh, regulation, but you said it wasn't so fussy. Oh, and <laughs> and were you an American citizen at this no, point? No, no, I was just uh, I was finishing my work in Colombia. Oh, okay. I was just finishing my degree there. And what did yeah. you study in Colombia? Uh, nursing education. So you. But I had trained here first, you see, in the diploma program. Oh, okay. In Vancouver. Oh, right. Yeah, and uh, then I decided that. I needed more education, so I went to Columbia University and got some there. That's a pretty high-powered uh, university. Yes, it was. It was good. Yeah. yeah. So you get recruited. You come f up from New York. Did you go to um, uh, your training with CUSO in, at uh, Carleton, or where did they take you to prepare um, you for change? York University in Toronto. It was at York. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And were you part of a group that left for India, or did you? Was your assignment alone? Oh no, it was with a, a group actually. Yes, and we the whole group uh, included those going to Malaysia as well. India and Malaysia. Yeah. So, in just uh, if you wouldn't mind, if you recollect, do you remember some of the names of those people? Um. I well, the the, the people who went to, with me to Rotak, I remember very well as uh, Vicky Henry. Vicky Henry. Um, although her last name was not Henry at the time, but I, so I don't remember what it was then. Yes. It's her married name. And um, Janet Harold, as she's now also known. Okay. And uh, the physiotherapist, what was her name? She. Oh, oh dear, I can't remember. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's I'm hard. Not, there was uh, a long uh, time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, and, and everybody was sort of all over the place, but. Um, and Carol Gagnon. Carol Gagnon. All right. Um, so, you know, we're getting ready to celebrate our 50th anniversary, so we're trying to yeah. call it the Nancy Drew Project. We're trying oh, to find good. them all. Yes. Have you talked to Car uh, Carol Gagnon, by the way? No. She's at Western. At Western, okay. Yeah, she's, I think, at head of uh, research there. Oh, well, and she, uh, yeah. Great. Yeah, you should talk to her. So, here we are. Yeah. We. Or you get somebody to talk to her. Right? I you will. You can't. Yes. Yeah. I'm west. Yeah. We have somebody in the east. Yeah. Christy Kelly. Um, mm -hmm. 
So you head off to India. What is your assignment when you go? What do they tell you you're going to do? I was uh, hired by the Haryana state government for the state family planning training center, uh, which was at the medical college campus in Rotakaryana, which had been not long before a part of Punjab when the two states became uh, independent or the one split, yes. Punjab split. So you arrive there. Do you speak any Indian languages when you arrive? Well, we had un we were we had two weeks of Hindi Hindustani, as it yeah. of course is correctly called, but mm -hmm. um, usually the, uh, volunteers got six weeks. So you only had two. Yes, and of course that wasn't enough. Uh -huh. So I do I took lessons from um, a native speaker who had had a master's in in Hindi mm -hmm. in uh, Rotak and. Um, because I, I knew I couldn't work effectively if I didn't speak the language, and I became fluent. Do you mind me asking how old you were when you did this? Because uh, now we'll be able to calculate your age, you know. <laughs> yes, I realize that, and I'm trying to think of how old I was. <laughs> were you just 21? <laughs> such a long... Oh, no. I had, I had worked, uh, I think, for 10 years before, so I would have been... Um, or almost, I guess. I don't know. I was. I wasn't thirty yet. I don't think. Close to thirty. But it would be close to thirty. Oh, so you were one of the older. older ones. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had a doctor with us too, but she was only there for one year. I can't remember her name. Mm. Um, so, so you end. You land there. You learn some of the language. Um, so your assignment. What did you actually do whilst you were there? I think it's quite complex, your project. Well, it was because that uh, Dr. Um, Vasudeva, who was professor of social and preventive medicine, was also um, overseeing the, uh, the um, family planning training center, as well as the training of, um, or these were extra courses that were given to people who were already lady health visitors or auxiliary nurse midwives or health uh, educators, uh, sanitary inspectors, all of those kinds of people um, came to the Family Planning Training Center. I think they even had doctors there too, but I'm not, I, I can't remember exactly for that. But um, India was uh, big on the campaign at that time and they were very well organized uh, to do it. Did they realize at that time that their population was growing so rapidly? Oh, they had realized it um, 10 years before, but okay. unfortunately, thanks to the Canadian delegate to the World Health Organization. I was hoping you'd get to this story. They, um, who threatened to withdraw from WHO if India um, went ahead under WHO with this family planning training. Uh, program so education setback. of 10 years because their census of that year uh, or the two years before I guess it was but um, shocked them there's um, their statisticians were shocked and they had very good statisticians so they knew uh, their technology comes by 
I'm on, honestly, it's almost genetic. Yeah, it's genetic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Silicon yeah. Valley is full of That's them. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, so, so they had an idea. They actually didn't have an idea. They knew very well what was going on. Oh yes. So, how did oh, you yes. personally contribute? What were you doing on assignment on um, a day-to-day -day basis? We had. Uh, well, we, uh, we, these were sort of like uh, group. Uh, classes that people came for. They may come for a week mm -hmm. and they, uh, they stayed there and every day they got different classes. So I was helping with those and helping to teach things like uh, role playing. And that oh. was a very effective method because the especially the little um, auxiliary nurse midwives were terrified of even opening their mouth, especially if a doctor was around. They wouldn't say anything. But if you had got them role-playing in a class, they became an actor. They, they were able to forget themselves and become that person. So they then when they were out working, then they could be more effective. So it was that kind. But we took their, we went to on home visits all around, to both in the uh, refugee colony as well as in the villages. And we took students as well, medical students and nursing students as well, on some trips out to the, um, in, in addition to the primary health care center where they would see what was going on there where they had uh, some of the uh, sterilization occurring at those places at times. And sometimes, for men, they had the, uh, the camps for prostatic, or rather, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Cancer that they would take. When you say the word refugee, you're in India. What? Oh, that was that after partition. Oh my goodness! <coughs> of course, this is so close after that. Yes, it was fairly close after. So they had some of them were, of course, second second generation. They were doing better by that time, but yes. it was right beside the medical college campus. You see, all of this was on the campus. The was the the training center was on the campus at the hospital. <coughs> so, in in teaching people about family planning, did the Indians already have in their minds the idea of family planning, or what was it new that you were teaching them? Oh well, it uh, it, it, it how to approach people for one thing. Okay, they knew a lot about how to approach people themselves because they were doing it every day. Yes, but in terms of family planning. It was something that was quite different, and it affected everybody to think that they were going to have fewer children. However, um, where because that um, um, children were surviving uh, at a better rate, yes, and more mothers were too, they also recognized that they couldn't carry two or three children all at one time. Mm. I mean, they tried to have two years between each. Um, each uh, child, yes. and if they, we encourage them to breastfeed for two years, for you sure. were doing that at that time. In so many countries, they were doing the opposite. Oh, I know. Especially in Africa, it was dreadful. It was dreadful, wasn't no, it? Oh yes. These oh, big yes. companies came in no, there. No, the pharmaceutical houses were dreadful. That's where I learned to really think of them with great derision. Is when mm. I went to work in Africa. So. So then, so the the women were breastfeeding. They and of course, wait, is it true in family planning? This is a okay. Here's me asking you the dumb yeah. question. 
that when you're breastfeeding, <coughs> you're less likely to become pregnant. Yes. It is less likely. Oh, yes. I mean, it happens, but the chances are greatly reduced. reduced. Yes. Because of hormones, etc., yeah. in the body. Mm -hmm. So then you become a staff member there, and then something really f interesting happens. You meet a guy, and he comes out there. Well, that was actually when I you know, uh, went to Delhi to be a staff member. I finished okay. my two years. Yes. I was actually replacing a, n a nurse who had gone to Calcutta to, the, uh, to um, take the public health training. Okay. So, because generally speaking, nurses were not trained in public health. Lady health visitors did all the community health work. But they wanted somebody for the training center who had nursing as well as community health um, uh, education. So she went for two years to Calcutta, and I took her place. Okay. In, uh, and, and I had quite a, quite a good grounding in community health, so mm -hmm. that was logical. But they taught me everything about family planning because it was actually illegal in Canada in public clinics to provide family planning methods. So what was happening in India was illegal in Canada. So no, no, but it, it, they were, they knew, they, they had to have condoms for men and yeah. they had to have um, uh, intrauterine devices for women yes. or sterilization if they felt that they had enough children. Yes. And, um, uh, and if they didn't want to, I mean, at least they could count beads if they wanted to. They still had some of those that had, that World Health Organization had distributed to uh, the um, states for distribu distribution to the primary health care centers. And, there, and some of the, um, the centers did still have, have them, but they were pretty dusty in most cases. So just for us youngins, what does counting beads mean? This is to know when your period of uh, fertility mm -hmm. is in relation to your monthly period. Okay. So yeah. you're counting every day and then you get to this yeah, because ovulation you period. You just push them along because if you don't know, most Indians would know how to count because mm, they, they're, good at that. they're very good at that. That's yeah. right. They may not know how to read and write, but they can count. Counting so, is money you know. is critical. Right. <laughs> Isn't it for everybody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it needs a good merchant, they so are. I can say that. Oh, yes, they are. I know. I know. Worldwide. <laughs> That's right. Um, so what did your family think of you actually taking off and going to India? Well, I had taken off and gone to many places, so okay. they were used to me. I took off right out of training almost um, to go to California because the, um, we had applied for... Uh, uh, green card uh, to be, because at the time I graduated uh, here the other hospital also graduating two classes a year and and St. Paul's also agreed that oh. they should graduate two classes a year and of course then there were no jobs because the British were coming oh. and they were taking the jobs in the non-teaching hospitals oh, okay. and so they were coming in droves at that time so your parents were used to that, you go out there. Yeah, and I had been to Europe. I hadn't been home for four years at one point. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't... Uh, Nancy Garrett, the it traveler. Yeah, it wasn't uncommon for me <laughs> <Okay>. to be. <laughs> so you're off in India, 
And then one day you meet a man. Yes, I, um, I had only been in my job about, oh, maybe six months, if that. Uh, yeah, so I guess it was. It was, it was uh, six or seven months, and uh, then there was a big conference there, the uh, International Society, or Society for International Development, and um, they had a huge conference. And uh, Louis Perenbaum happened to be at that conference. I think he was on an, uh, the board or an advisor or something like this. And my predecessor in the Delhi office had signed me up for this conference because she felt that it would be good for us to go to it. And uh, so um, there was a big party uh, by the uh, high commission for Lewis when he came, because I think he was fairly new in the job. He had come from the World Bank to, um, to CEDA, and he was just beginning in CEDA. Okay. at that time. And um, mm. so the, uh, and uh, so they were very kind. They always in invited the CUSO staff to their, these kind of parties. And um, so I was about to leave the party and uh, the, uh, com the High Commission advisor uh, to CUSO said, oh, just wait a minute, I want you to meet Louis Perenbaum. And I said, oh, I remember him. He's one of the few people who said anything sensible at our uh, orientation in Toronto. <laughs> and there, my goodness, that's so amazing. So we'll get back to the subject of Lewis in a moment because we have a lot to cover about mm. this amazing man in your life. But when you came back, uh, finished your work in India, uh, where did you go? Well, I uh, I came back and discovered. Well, I actually I discovered before uh, because we met in um, in London. Uh, he had, I think he he had actually telegraphed me or uh, to say to meet him in in uh, in uh, Amsterdam. But I wasn't there when I got there, so he decided that I must have gone by the original plan and gone to London. <laughs> so we went to London and. However, by that time, he had had time to think about it. He didn't want me to go back when I had come home at Christmas time. But I said, I have to find a replacement for me. I can't just leave Kyoso, Delhi without somebody there. So in that six months that I was um, uh, back in Delhi, he had time to think and thought, hey, this is getting, this is getting scary, so we better back off. <laughs> Typical man, if you wouldn't yeah. mind me saying that. Well, he could make decisions that would make me terrified. Huh. But when it came to affairs of the heart... Yes, it was um, hard That was a very difficult yes. yes <laughs> right, so. so time went by. Yes, time went by, indeed. I don't know if he's, he knows I know. So we'll continue in a minute. <laughs> 